everyone, it's Raghu. I'm back with another episode of Mind Rolling on Be Here Now Network. And I got John Densmore here, everybody. Uh, welcome. Big welcome, John. Raghu, mind rolling. You're going to have to break that down for me. Um, yeah, that'll be but tough. I wanted, to, I wanted to start by reading uh, just the first few paragraphs of my chapter on Ram Dass in my new book, The Seekers. But even before that, I've been thinking a lot about India, oh, you know, yeah. God, you oh, know, a country, a, a country that has fed us all so much mm -hmm. culturally. And uh, oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah. Here's Actually, a, you know, further than what's going on with COVID over there, two days ago, um, there was a huge cloudburst, like tremendous amount of uh, rain and wow. water right in the Kenchi Valley, which is where we all were with uh, Ramdas and everybody you know, Mirabai, Krishnadas. Uh, that's where we hung out with Maharaji in that temple. Mm -hmm. And the, the videos, the roads like destroyed and the aye, complete aye, aye, aye. flooding. And then in, in the building, debris, you know, rocks that came, you know, rock slides that went right. I mean, it is, it's unfathomable. <sighs> not, Fortunately, not nobody mention, got hurt, though. Not to mention bodies floating in the Ganges. Yeah, so, well, this is particularly personal, you know, that we yeah, lived in yeah. this place and yeah. we came up through there, our sure. whole legacies from yeah. from that spot, because most of us met Neem Karoli Baba in that spot, Westerners, to start with. And what year was that? That's 1971. Yeah. Which is before, yeah. which is before, which is after Ramdas and Bhagavandas. Right. So, yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, we, we should it'd be But great. that, you know, that led to uh, uh, the entire world being dipped into Indian curry culture, <laughs> you know, via Ravi Shankar and yeah. meditation and 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 the shirt I'm wearing. And, you know, yeah. yeah. So this is a, uh, a tree chime thing. It's all made out of keys getting smaller and larger. Hmm. Made for me here. This is for India. Hmm. Could you hear that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I heard yeah. Yeah. Everybody out there, whatever. By the just as the by the way, of course, with what's going on with COVID and the absolute devastation through the mother country uh anybody who uh, if, if you go to uh, ramdas.org i think there's uh, easily findable is a page of different uh, organizations that are helping out over there but yeah any kind of help and i'm it's everywhere so i'm sure everyone can find uh some place to give a little bit of support for what's going yeah. on there now i did it when i read when kd was talking about where to send o mm-hmm Okay, yeah, and, or go to krishnas.com. So, uh, how have you been we, <laughs> last time? Uh, it's been a while since, uh, of course, since COVID happened. But um, I, uh, first of all, we've never talked about the book. And we've 
you know, we were just doing all the business of the book. Terms oh, right. Of podcasts and all that stuff. So uh, I have to tell you some stuff about the book. A little bit of it is like reading my own story. Okay? <laughs> well, I mean, just just the very beginning. Well, we might as well talk about it a little bit. Gurdjieff. Okay, that's that uh, meetings with remarkable men and the subtitle of the book is meeting with remarkable musicians. But you could have said, remar- I mean, remarkable men and women. Uh, well, so, gee, gee, where do you think I got that idea? Yeah, I wonder, <laughs> I wonder. But you bumped into his 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 thing early on, right? His philosophy. Well, and I, I didn't I didn't know that much about him. Um, I oh, certainly. No. I knew of the cult film meetings with remarkable men mm. with Terrence Stamp oh, and uh, Peter Brook directed it, a theater director, a very eccentric film. Um, I think the gist of it was that the characters were musicians trying to play so well that they could catch God's ear, mm. something mm. like that. Mm. And, um, I always wanted to do this tip of the hat to various artists who fed me. And then I thought of the Gurdjieff title and went, oh, my God, meetings with remarkable musicians. That's what it is. You know, so that helped me greatly. But um, so I only knew of him through Ramdas, actually. Ramdas used to talk in the early days. He used to talk about Gurdjieff and Ospensky, who was Gurdjieff's student. and. Actually, I I can't say that he got this whole witness concept from Gurdjieff because it's it's a, certainly an Eastern concept. It's a mindfulness concept. Uh, but he used to talk about uh, Gurdjieff had another name for it actually, the the witness and using that method. But he really explained it out in a very very detailed manner. Um, and um, good stuff, actually. So highly, well, we're going to put it in the show notes, uh, a oh, okay. link up to Gurdjieff so people can get an idea of, uh, of who he was. But, um, you know, in my acknowledgments, I grab a little story from him. Hopefully it's true that mm-hmm. when he, uh, he'd have followers and they'd meet in a pub or bar or something, and then he'd go, no, no, let's go, let's go to the next place. And then that would sort of weed out a few. And then the second place he'd go, well, a third, come on, this is no good. And so late, late at night, the few that were left, then he'd really get down to the ideas he wanted to convey because he knew they really wanted it. Mm. And I quoted that and said, um, so those of you who pick up this book, I'm very grateful and I won't be yearning for more. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the other thing he said, uh, and Ramdas used to quote this, he said, a very, Gurdjieff, a very, very small percentage of the population of the world can have in any one moment access to that which is beyond rationality. Mm-hmm. That was like a scary kind of a thing. Well, there's a um, who's the um, anthropologist, the female anthropologist, most famous. Margaret one. Mead. Yeah, she's got a quote, something like, 
It's all and not meaning this arrogantly. It's always been a small group of people that changed the world. Cause I don't know, just because they're working on uh, new ideas, and and then it's a pebble dropped. Concentric circles happen. Yeah. 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 yeah no. For sure, for sure. And that small group of people usually is people that are not uh, quite grasping and clinging the way that most of us are all you know all the time. Yeah. So that but separate. we're all we're all seekers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Even if we don't know it. And those who don't know it, well, you know, there's there's a uh, the human condition is just having a yearning for just a, a something wanting something else other than this physical thing. And so. And wanting to be out of pain and suffering. <laughs> right? That drives yeah. it forward. So the, the, uh, this is great because you and I've never talked about this. No. But uh, the first guy in the book, first man, remarkable musician is uh, Elvin Jones. Yeah. Okay, so I have, you don't know this story. Unfortunately for everybody out there listening, you all do know this story because it's a seminal experience that I had when I was about 16, 17 years old in Montreal, where I'm from. And I, somebody, an older friend or something, got me into a, a nightclub, a music where there was music, and it was a Coltrane Quartet. And I had been way into jazz. I was not Ooh. into rock and roll as a kid. I was into jazz. So we have very uh, yes, we interesting do. dissection. So I can tell you that, well, first of all, he started playing Coltrane at one point, my favorite things, which you describe oh. in the book as, well, it's a kind of um, fruity song. <laughs> I don't know. You know, it's it's not the most substantial whatever well, he made it substantial, so much so that I I had a deep, deep absorption experience and I had never had anything like that. That was like, mm. uh, and music Fabulous. was everything to me. So it was- I, I wasn't really putting the set song down. I was just saying it's a Broadway musical. Yeah, right, know? right. Yeah, uh, exactly. Uh, I know what you mean, exactly, exactly. But the image that I have is watching Elvin Jones because- he had a cigarette, a lit cigarette in his uh, mouth, yeah. and he never touched it. <laughs> it burnt, and I can see the ash. Somehow, how did the ash not fly off because of what he was doing? He was so balanced and so in it beyond anything that you could ever imagine. And, and of course, John uh, has seen uh, him, and... Uh, he, out in because uh, you're from Los Angeles, what Shelly Man the manhole, right? Wasn't that yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I got my fake ID in Tijuana. My draft card said I was 21 or something, and I was 18. And the Shelly's manhole was uh, 21. And uh, the, the the bouncer looked at it and and uh, knew it was fake and let me in anyway because mm. my idols, you know. And um, God. I didn't, I mean, I knew they were, it was important, but I didn't know it was going to be iconic, mm. but boy. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, you know, um, 
in my chapter on Gustavo Dudamel, the conductor of the L.A. Phil, one time I'm backstage and Julie Andrews is there. And I just really regretted not thinking to say, hey, Julie, have you heard Coltrane's version of my favorite things? And if so, what do you think? (laughs) (laughs) That would have been interesting. Yeah, (laughs) really great. Oh, my. Yeah, so just uh, talk a little bit about Sherry, uh, you know, your experience with Elvin. I mean, that. uh, Well, so um, the bathroom in the manhole was next to the dressing room. So I went to the bathroom a lot, even though I didn't have to go. Right on the other side of that wall was these guys, John Coltrane, Jimmy Garrison, McCoy Tyner. Mm. And uh, one time, uh, there was a knock on the door and and I opened it when Coltrane was staring at me. It was like, uh, Oh, here, you know, and, and he, he didn't want the bathroom. I don't know. He just wondered who was in there. I get, maybe he knew I was his snoop. <laughs> and it's interesting how, when he'd walk to the stage, people kind of treated him like the parting of the red sea, you know, mm. whereas Elvin was all smiles. Thank God. Mm. And, uh, you know, occasionally McCoy Tyner on a song called Chasing the Train, a 20-minute power rant, McCoy would leave the stage and and Coltrane would turn around and face Elvin. And the two of them would just have this most primal, cathartic conversation I've ever witnessed in any genre of music. Yeah. So then uh, later... After Coltrane died, uh, I saw Elvin, Elvin Jones and the Jazz Machine, I think they were called. And at that time, I had gotten accolades and written my own, my first self-centered memoir. I have three. Uh, <laughs> That's what they are. I, it's a memoir. Okay, you're allowed. <laughs> I brought it to Elvin, and I was so nervous, you know, that he'd be condescending jazz, the higher art form. And I, I said, here, this is for you. And, and, and in here, I wrote that you gave me my hands. And, and he was so gracious and, and friendly and signed my LPs. And, and then by the end of his life, when he was in town, I would, I would help take, take his kit to the car, mm-hmm. a, a true mentor, you know? Yeah. And, and I would say he directly influenced, you know, you don't, you don't copy exactly. You know, I was in Ravi Shankar's uh, school studying tablas, you know, I don't try to play tablas on my drums or or jazz in the doors, but it washes over you and you let it affect you. And uh, Elvin had this conversation with Coltrane, and I thought, I, I, I got to keep the beat. That's the first job of the drummer. You can't mess around there. You, that you got to have, that pulse. But if if I could talk to Jim a little bit rhythmically, comment or push him on what he was saying, I'm going to do so. And, and that's, mm, you know, that's, that's deeply, deeply Elvin and Coltrane. So what have they done to the earth? What have they done to our fair sister? Stuck her with knives in the side of the dawn, tied her with fences, dragged her down. I hear a gentle sound. We want the world. We want it. So during that part, I, I, I just started having a conversation. What have they done to the earth? What have they done? Uh, 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 you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so, well, remember, yeah, mm. 
Yeah. Boy, oh boy. It's a, and it, it, there's a great, uh, I didn't even know you knew uh, Shamdas, by the way. Shamdas, everybody, is was unfortunately uh, left us in a horrible car accident, in, in a motorcycle accident in India a number of years ago. And he was with us back in the day with Ramdas Krishnas, myself, and uh, Mirabai yeah. Bush uh, uh, in India with Neem Karoli Baba. So, yeah, yeah you how did uh, that well, was I sort didn't, of a. Funny I didn't thing. know him, but well, you didn't through, know him. Through Arjun, I'm right. Uh, Krishnas is Krishnas is Tava player. He quoted him uh, about rhythm, something about rhythm. And I used that quote. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. I got it. Uh, he used to say that you have to worship the tall, the time right, right. in Hindi, and always have your awareness on where the one is. And you said uh-huh. Elvin did that and could still turn rhythms out like an egg beater, serving up multiple meals within every four bars. And he did it with right. a big smile. Um, and I also said somewhere right around there that it, it, it seemed like he was going to fall. He was so loose and polyrhythmic, it seemed like he was going to fall into his drum set. But as you said, he he had this balance that even kept the cigarette going, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And let's talk about the tall. Um, yeah. I'm writing the chapter on Elvin, and I find myself uh, saying uh, to drummers, in fact, to everyone, the first drum beat we all heard was our mother's heartbeat in the womb. Mm. So, whoa, that's important. Then I later realized, oh, that's why I have my mom mixed in here with Lou Reed and all these people. (laughs) And so, um, you know, we were in there in the womb. So we our little heart had already little polyrhythms against our mom's big rhythm. And then there's the Native American drum. They say it's Mother Earth, what they're trying to do. Now, you know, that's the reason we all a dance and groove to music because we're trying to get back. It's a, to the birth canal, to the Homeland security, yeah. you know? <laughs> uh, <laughs> so. Oh God. Uh, all right. Well, this is, uh, I was going to do this later. Okay. When, but I got to do it now because you just, it's a perfect segue. And the other love that you have that I have as well is poetry, right? Ah, so I just happened to be looking at uh, this phenomenal book by Leonard Cohen, who, uh, right, we're, we're yeah. there. Okay, I, uh, let me read this poem. Just Please. It. It's called um, Disturbed This Morning. Ah, that. That's what I was so disturbed about this morning. My desire has come back, and I want you again. I was doing so fine. I was above it all. The boys and girls were beautiful, and I was an old man loving everyone. (laughs) And now I want you again. I want your absolute attention, your underwear rolled down in a hurry, still hanging on one foot, and nothing on my mind to be but to be inside the only place that has no inside and no outside. Come on. Leonard. I'm blushing, Raghu. I know, and everybody <laughs> out there, I'm going to get mail, but oh, it's Leonard Cohen, God. okay? The finest lyrical oh. love poet uh, in our generation. Yeah. But, I mean, I think uh, he 
he's the one guy Dylan kind of put looks up to and oh yeah as a mentor you know yeah no absolutely of course and he's from Montreal so when uh, I was growing up it was all about worshiping Leonard right he was older yeah older. yeah yeah and uh, oh he's helped me greatly and I've quoted him several times oh there's a, a crack in everything that's how the light gets yeah, in yeah yeah, 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 that's it exactly. Well, then we move from that um, rather incredible poem of Leonard's to Jim Morrison, and uh, you just—I mean, this is obviously so another quote unquote seminal part of my life, which was going from Montreal heading out to California. In, in the late 60s and the doors being such an important part of that whole scene and uh i just gotta so obviously there's some wonderful stuff in here about him but he he was a very complex person oh. right can you just talk about that complexity and, and your relationship to it him yeah Creativity and self-destruction don't always come in the same package, mm. but they did with him and Janice. Who I, yeah. Those are the two cautionary tales in the book. Oh, boy. Uh, but the idea was that we all, we, well, Jim's in, in Ray, Ray Manzarek, our keyboard player's garage, and Ray says he's, He's our new singer, but he's never sung before. <laughs> I think it's great. <laughs> uh, he's real shy, and um, oh, yeah. oh yeah, and 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 the baritone had not developed. I thought this is this is not the next Mick Jagger. I, I but I love playing music. I'll jam with these guys for a while. That, but then Ray hands me a, a crumpled piece of paper that says, uh, "Day destroys the night." Night divides the day, tried to run, tried to hide, break on through to the other. I'm like, holy shit, I can drum to that right now. Uh, oh, ah, ah, the idea is to put poetry in rock and roll. I'm down, mm. you know? And so, yeah. So it just happened. I mean, well, was, uh... Uh, you know, uh, each of us individually had been studying our instruments a long time. Jim had read every friggin' poetry book and, and Nietzsche and all this stuff. Uh, what did he say? His, his, his life was like a bull pulled back 22 years and let go. And that was the Doors career. And so in those rehearsals, he'd say, uh, gee, I don't know how to play a chord on an instrument. Uh, but I have all these words, journals, poetry, and I even have melodies. How do we write songs? <laughs> so, really? <laughs> yeah. So we, you know, kind of, he would sing a cappella, and we'd say, stop, stop, by the way. I think it's a waltz. Okay, F sharp. All right, mm. go, or whatever. Mm. So um, he he said he heard a, 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 a concert in his head. He had to get it out, mm. uh, but, but no, no skills at all, but <laughs> gifted as hell. Mm. 
Amazing. So, yeah. Yeah, and you you talk about the end. I mean, the, now I'm not sure everybody who's listening, if you haven't heard the Doors albums and some and some of these songs are very iconic, then we're going to set that up as a link as well because uh, it's an it's a piece of history, and uh, but beyond that. Uh, like this song that you talked about here, the end, right? And um, and how it is such an incredible, incredible um, trance-like thing that it puts you into. You know that whole section, uh, yeah. With the yeah, the, the yeah. just the music, and then him just going off. And uh, right. Let me tell you how that evolved. Uh, first, Jim sings it. To us, a cappella. This is the end, beautiful friend, my only friend, and it's it sounds like a love song, a beautiful love song. But at the time, uh, we were um, we were then experimenting with legal psychedelics, <laughs> but kind of realized that it's a little shattering on the ner nervous system. Maybe meditation. That sounds cool. And Maharishi was in L.A. This was about a year or so before the Beatles. But it's interesting that the Beatles uh, were doing the same thing. You know, there was no Internet. We didn't know what's going on over there. But they also are experimenting with psychedelics. They get into meditation, which jumpstarts uh, the whole Indian culture. And, and, and Robbie Krieger, the guitar player, and I go to Ravi Shankar's school of Indian music. And, I didn't uh, know that. That's amazing as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. No, not just for a few months in between tours. Yeah. But uh, my God, I mean, we sat on stage with him at Royce Hall and, oh, I mean, talk about transcendental. My God. So Robbie uh, says, hey, let me try and tune my guitar to Indian sitar tuning. That's where the trance comes in oh, the end. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that, that you know, and and we all knew ragas were like 10, 15 minutes long. And we love the idea of breaking the three minute pop barrier, pot, mm. uh, pop music barrier, you know, not pot barrier. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I broke that, that too. too. Probably, yeah. <laughs> and so we started doing this drone thing. And, and then so that whole middle section was like a sonic bed for Jim to lay on with poetry, any poem that comes to mind, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's where all this ride the snake and uh, all this out there stuff, uh, subliminal, subconscious, mm -hmm. Oedipal, wild stuff. Did he? So, so, and that evolved over time in clubs. Yeah. So he would, he would do different poetry in that song yeah, in a different yeah. place. Time? He, well, in in that middle section, yeah. the droning. He would for, do whatever. Yeah. After a while, he sort of stuck to some different, some ones that he liked that fit nice. Mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, but in terms of just being a band back then and being young, having, uh, I mean, he was very unpredictable and, uh, Oh, that probably is a wild understatement. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I had a headache and a skin rash for years. You know, it's like 
I knew we were doing stuff that was pretty good. Maybe it'll last. Uh, I could pay the rent for a decade, maybe. And here I am with you with mm. gray hair and it's 50 years later. And <laughs> mm. But uh, yeah, that unpredictability was enticing to the audience and the band. Is he going to be quiet tonight or is he going to jump all over like a lizard king? Who knows? Mm. Part of the magic and part of the headache. Mm. How long did it go on? You know, let me say that time has helped me. Mm. You know, Jim joined the 27 Club. All those people who died at 27. All of them. It's crazy. Kurt Cobain, Amy Winehouse. And, um, you know, African uh, so-called primitive cultures used to have this period called Latima, where the elders watched over the young from 14 to 27. And they had this thousands of years ago. So they knew 27 was rather pivotal, you know? (laughs) Really? I mean, that's funny. Yeah. You know, like in your early 20s, you're immortal. Therefore, who needs the fucking vaccine? You know, what the hell? I'm going to let's party. And then late 20s, you you might get in a relationship. You might get kids. Oh, it's, you know, it's a big corner to go around. Yeah. But in in t- over time, I I accept Jim was meant to be a shooting star and and quick twenty seven year flash and hmm. you know Maybe. Picasso lived to ninety. I'm seventy six. <laughs> There's different roads. Hmm. Hmm. So another important part that should be mentioned was your relationship with Ray Manzarek. Uh, uh, and um, also complex, right? Also Com- com- complex. Complex. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, uh, maybe it all started in my, was it my first book? Yeah. Or maybe my second. Where I, I kind of, uh, I, I said, Ray, you're like the Willie Loman of the band. You don't have to sell us all the time. <laughs> You know, yeah. death of a salesman. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, uh, we, you know, but uh, God, I, uh, like Jim, I love him dearly and miss him. And 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 we had our struggles with the with the name. The second book I wrote, "The Doors Unhinged," is about Ray and Robbie playing. Uh, and I was done, you know, and I, and I wanted them to play. They're great musicians. But you can't call yourself the doors without Jim. You, you come on now, you know, the mm-hmm. police without Sting. I don't think so. Mick yeah. and, and the Stones without Mick. Come on, and they didn't, and we got into a legal struggle over that, which was really mm, painful. Yeah, I remember that. And then they threw at me a countersuit for more money than all of us together have ever made in our life, because I wouldn't okay songs for commercials. Well, Jim, thank God, he didn't. We did all this together. And so one day he said, hey, and if anybody gets weird, let's have veto power. I'm Mr. Veto. Mm. We're not oh, going to so break on. Written in. Well, it's oral, but uh-huh. we're not going to break on through to a new deodorant. <laughs> 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 so, I mean, you know, Jim was out of town and we had this offer 
come on, Buick, light my fire. And it was $75,000. Now, today, it would be millions. Well, we were kind of drooling. You know, we'd struggle to pay the rent. And Jim came back and said, wow, that's a really good idea. And and I got an idea for for the commercial. I'll smash a, a Buick on television with a sledgehammer. <laughs> oh, well, that's a no. <laughs> so... <laughs> I thought I've never forgotten. He's my ancestor now. That wasn't his song. Primarily, Robbie wrote that. He wrote uh, one line, our love become a funeral pyre. Morrison-esque, right? Mm. I thought, my God, if he's so upset, then he cares about the whole catalog. He cares about all the songs that we're doing here. And I should honor that. And still hanging in there. Mm, really? Well, yeah, you know, I mean, we're solicited all the time. But not, it's, none of the music has been used in that. Well, okay. One time I allowed, ooh, I hate to even say this, Riders on the Storm for a Pirelli tire commercial in England only. And then Jim's ghost got me and I took the dough I made and gave it to charity. It was like... <laughs> No, don't do this. And Raghu, a new band trying to pay the rent. Hey, you know, it's a different time. It's whatever. But maybe later, if you get a toehold on success, I would re-examine that. If, if, for us, it's not right. Mm, yes. uh, Roger, uh, uh, Pete Townsend said, I don't give a fuck if you fell in love with Shirley to my song. I'll do whatever I want with it. Correct. So it's a volatile subject. Yeah, yeah, no, very much so. But uh, as you say, today's a completely, absolutely new yeah. day. And uh, it's one of the few ways for artists that are coming up to be able yep. to pay the rent, as you said. Right. So. I was real pleased that uh, I wrote an article about this in The Nation, and Tom Waits wrote a letter saying stick to your guns john uh really if you if you change your if you do a commercial you've changed your lyrics to a jingle and mm -hmm. that's the sound of coins in your pocket and maybe you sold your audience <laughs> he says, thank you tom <laughs> oh uh, well he's all he's up there in the top five for me by the way <laughs> yeah. as well oh. um so there's something great in here that um it's, it's, a, you make a reference to Kabir, the Indian saint in the yeah. book. Yeah. Huh. Um, and it's uh, this, just, it's about the, the real truth of who we are behind the body. Mm. And, uh, it's it's uh, if you make love with the divine now in the next life you will have to you will have the face of satisfied desire yeah. so said the great poet kabir yeah 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 but then this this is uh, i love this man it was really good george harrison put it speaking of his connection to john lennon and and this is about our departed ancestors and our relationship with them and it's not who we that we can still communicate. This is, uh, you talk about this in the book. 
talking to Jim and, and Robbie. Uh, we, he said, we saw beyond each Excuse other's... Excuse me, J Jim and Ray. Ray, sorry. Robbie's Jim. still with us, yeah. Yeah, thank you. Sorry, sorry Rob. I know where, yeah, right. <laughs> we saw beyond each other's... This is John Lennon. Right. right. This is George talking about John. We saw beyond each other's physical bodies. If you can't feel the spirit of some friend who's been that close, then what chance have you got of feeling the spirit of Christ or Buddha or whoever else you may be interested in? Yeah. So, And this is what you say. <laughs> okay, I'm coming out of the closet now admitting I've had several conversations with George since he passed. <laughs> and I talk to Ray and I'll talk to Jim all the time. Yeah, so yeah, great. Yeah. Uh, hey, let me jump in yeah. for a second. Uh, in my Ram Das chapter, I talk about how I was on a family vacation in Haiku, Ram Dass's old hood, uh, uh, bef just before he passed. And I was uh, pointing to some mountains saying to my daughter, you know, that's the Io Valley where the Hawaiians think uh, the souls go after they die. Mm -hmm. And just at that moment, these white birds kind of flew from approximately where Ram Dass's house was towards those mountains. I, you know, I didn't connect it then. Then an hour later, I get a text from KD saying Ram Dass just passed this afternoon. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Okay. Well, so we're connected to the other, to the folks on the other side, you know, yeah. it, no. Yeah, the, as Neem Karoli Babas said to us, love is more powerful than electricity. Oh. <laughs> uh, and in this, uh, you also say, you, I, you talk fairly frequently in the book, or somewhat, um, about, see, we, we really have so much in common. God, take God, the, the word God. You were like, I don't know from God, right? And you, It but, makes me twitch a little. Yeah, me too. You know what I call it? That thing there, which <laughs> is in Montreal. I had lots of French, uh, uh, Quebecois friends. Oui. And, uh, oui, c'est ça. And they, <laughs> uh, maybe at one point they were speaking, I did. I spoke French, but not well enough to really get into that kind of deep, deeper conversation, so right. we say. Uh -huh. And they were explaining something to me in English, and they get to the point they couldn't yeah. get the right, right word. And they, you know, uh. that thing there, <laughs> and they point wherever <laughs> that thing there, and that points to the whatever we that's, want to call that. So that's that my God. Great, so we're both in the same thing. Great uh, reference. Yeah, I think I I call it the mystery. I believe yeah, in the, the mystery. mystery. Yeah, and you say that, and. Um, that's also a favorite term of mine, the mystery, uh, yeah. and honoring it and making friends with it and so on. And for us, like meeting Neem Karoli Baba was like, in a funny way, meeting the mystery. Because there's no yeah. way we could understand a, a, a being that has no subject object, for instance. Okay, yeah. we, we don't meet people where there's not a you and a me. <laughs> That's not. And so yeah, that yeah. mystery, yeah, wonderful term. And uh, it's, it's a, 
because we don't know. We don't know. We don't know what happens after we leave this body. We have a lot of evidential stuff I myself have experienced where people either remember or you just you're with them and um, like this the Karmapa. I think you know Karmapa is uh, first. There's a Dalai Lama. Then the Panchen Lama and the Karmapa has uh, been incarnating for 18, like it's the uh, 17th now. He's yeah. maybe 38 years. He's phenomenal, by the way, everybody. We're going to put something about Kar Karmapa because he's someone who works so hard to end the gender bullshit that goes on in monasteries, uh, uh, meat eating, uh, getting, you know, giving really great practical reasons, not spiritual quote unquote reasons. And then uh, the environment. He's a phenomenal leader for next gen. Uh, wow. So yeah, Karmapa seventeen, and okay. we'll we'll link that up uh, as well. Uh, but I I met him, and I had met his predecessor, the sixteenth in uh, in L.A. Actually, the nineteen eighty eighty one, in a, what's called the Black Hat ceremony. Anyhow, when I did meet the sixteenth, I totally got near him he put the scarf you know how the tibetans put that silk scarf on you yeah. and i totally absolutely went oh my god it's the same um ineffable thing that i felt with neem karoli Bhatma. the same thing so uh, i was blown away then you know fast forward to about six years ago i met his uh in reincarnation the 17th and I, I had an experience. Holy shit! That's there is a that's something that went from one thing to the other, is real. Wow. And I had that deep, deep experientially. So, uh, oh, can I connect to all that? I mean, you know, yeah. uh, I I was raised Catholic, hmm. gulp, uh, <laughs> guilt and sin and whatever. Oh, we didn't have anything like that, Jewish people. <laughs> yeah. You know? And I meet Maharishi, and there's this palpable love vibe, and he's not wearing black with a tight collar, and it, it just blows my mind. And, uh, you know, in the chapter on the Dalai Lama and meeting him, I'm kind of teary, and mm. sitting next to Ram Dass, uh, I get a sort of Shakti hit. Uh, <laughs> there's something going on here. That <laughs> mm. you don't. Know what it is, do, do you? you? <laughs> oh, yeah, and that's mystery. That's why honoring it and, um, and really, um, allowing it to be because it, it's all of the manifestation, it's not just nicey, nicey, comfy, you know, yeah, thing. right. So, um, okay, we, we have somebody else, of course, we both love and who's probably the most enigmatic of any of these artists that are in the book, musicians, Van Morrison. And Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I know. I you knew exactly. About... Okay, tell the story. I knew exactly. Well, there's that, but I mean, just <sighs> hey, yeah. have you heard about his new album that just came out? No. Oh. What? Oh, you're going to get real disturbed. Oh no. It's it's kind of a lot of alt right stuff. It's what? really No, it's, don't kill me. Yeah, I know, I know. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, mean lyrically? So, yeah. Yeah. Oh Jesus, that's uh, the worst thing I've heard in the months. Yeah, so. I'm sorry to yeah. But we, we have it we have uh all right, with all my struggles with Van, I, I was angry at him. 
And then I'm in the car and I hear, we were born before the wind, also younger than the sun. And the Bonnie both is one as we sail into the mystic. I mean, I, I, thank you. I mean, that's a gift. That's, you know, even yeah. with all his, uh, yeah. All well, right. So alcohol, we're the house band at the whiskey mm-hmm. and uh, them is coming to town. The, mm-hmm. the, the writers of Gloria, we're real excited. We used to play Gloria in our, our set. We took it out so we wouldn't trample on the originators. Mm-hmm. Um. And uh, they play a week and we become friends and they're great. And and the last night before they go back to the old sod, we play Gloria together, both bands, two Morrisons, two drummers. Mm, just wow. really, really fabulous. And then, you know, Van goes on to write Astral Weeks, like the most brilliant album in my shelf. We're in know. the same again. I sound believable, you know. Yeah, link uh, let's link uh, that up, guys. Astral Weeks. So cut to a few years back, I get a call from his manager saying he's playing Astral Weeks, uh, but the first half is uh, oldies. They're going to close with Gloria before intermission. Would I sit in? Hmm. Yes. <laughs> so I go down there to rehearse and uh, there's it's great about 15 musicians to do all of astro weeks van doesn't seem to be around and uh we start playing gloria you know and it's it's i know the song we're having fun it's all smiles and then somebody says well we might do a bo diddley section in the middle what uh oh well uh, i should know that (laughs) well it's up to van well where is he uh, in his dressing room. Well, and I could tell they were kind of afraid of him. Hmm. I said, well, I'll go ask him. We hung him back in the day. So I go knock on the door and he's on the phone and he says, do whatever you want. Uh, I said, okay. So um, that night, his manager says, uh, the idea is that you'll go out on an encore with Van. He'll introduce you and then you'll play Gloria. Easy enough. So we do that, and he doesn't introduce me. (laughs) And I'm standing in front of 10,000 people wondering what to do. Uh, I wouldn't leave. So I spot a tambourine under the backup singers, and I grab that, and I start playing it like it's part of the plan. And I work my way over to the drummer, and the two of us are trying to switch. But, you know, there's going to be four bars where there's no beat. Mm-hmm. And then Van will turn around and scowl. And so I just, you know, suck it up and mm. finish out. And he disappears and the managers are all apologizing. And then there's a live album from the bowl for Astral Weeks. And they credit me playing tambourine. <laughs> Yo. <sighs> oh, oh you know, so, you know, I, I what can I say? There's those artists that are difficult, but they have gifts. Yeah. I mean, his reputation has been not so good for quite a while. Yeah. Chewing well, out, chewing out roadies for not bringing the right vintage of wine, whatever. Yeah. yeah well, uh, you know, it's, it's sad to see that, that someone mm. with such gifts, such, such um, ability to kind of go into the mystery and kind of uh, uh, mm-hmm. 
understand it and uh, kind of get bitter at the end. He's, the bitterness is getting, getting is him. And, and don't don't do that. He needs he needs uh, you guys. You know. <laughs> no, uh, I'm serious. Um, we got. Uh, I have my own story. He, he uh, with him because when I was running the radio stations when I first met Ram Dass, and uh, we put on a you know big outdoor concert, and he was a headliner. Uh-huh. And unfortunately, some somebody that I had hired, just a you know, roadie kind of thing, uh, went into the dressing green room and started playing his guitar, took it out. You know, oh. just a stoned hippie. He went yeah. in, found that. I'm yeah, leaving. Yeah. Right. You know, screw you. Oh. I don't care. I'm, oh. I'm, I'm, <laughs> fortunately, at the time, I had this beautiful Indian girlfriend who was with me when I was trying to mollify him. And he looked at her and I said, look, we'll just let's go out. We'll have some food. It'll be OK. And we did. He got drunk, ah. came back. And this ah. time, uh, I mean, it was very hit or miss van doing a great uh, being just completely transcend- transcendent right. or yeah. it being or he'd walk yeah. off or fall down drunk, whatever. Yeah. This right. was one right. of the transcendent ones. Uh, but uh, Jesus, I'm still stuck on the on the new record. So okay, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna yeah, go there. Right. right. Um, hey, listen. I just just remember, he's still even on this record. I've heard that 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 sound coming out of his throat, that ancient Celtic, it, yeah. it's there, and yeah. that's what gives me chills. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So there's a great uh, chapter. About Ramdas and uh, and you know when you were in Maui and you were coming to the retreats and so on, um, so we all got to spend time. It's pretty precious now that we think back. No, those times <laughs> that we had. Yeah, I'm gonna give you a little of that right now. Okay, do it. Um, chapter twenty-three, Ramdas, wheelchair mystic. Oh, wait a minute, Ragu. I'm old. I have to put on my glasses. (laughs) The quieter you become, the more you can hear. Unfortunately, I met Ram Dass, the author of the best-selling counterculture Bible, Be Here Now, after he had his stroke. Or maybe the timing wasn't so unfortunate. As he said, my speech was severely impaired and I considered not speaking publicly anymore since the words came so slowly, but people insisted that my halting new voice enabled them to concentrate on the silence between the words. Sound familiar? The silence between the sounds of music makes music breathe like human beings. I'm certainly not the fastest drummer in the world, but my exposure to all genres of music classical rock, blues, folk, country, has taught me to play with as much attention to dynamics as possible. Dynamics elicit the maximum emotions from the listener as well as from me. If you play with the full palette of sounds, even down to silence, you produce anger and peace and everything in between, the total human experience. Quoting Ram Dass again, Now that I speak more slowly, people tend to finish my sentences for me, 
and thus to answer questions for themselves. Though I once used silence as a teaching method, it now arises without my control and allows for a sense of emptiness, an emptiness that listeners can use as a doorway to their inner quiet. The quieter you become, the more you can hear. Isn't that the transcendence we're all looking for? Through music, books, and art, we are trying to stop time and get a little relief from the rat race. Like Bob Marley said, there's a horse race, this is a human race, this here is a rat race. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. Oh. Boy, oh, boy. Yeah. So, silence. Yeah. Actually, you... Uh... That's something that comes up in in the book as as well, which struck me. And that just you talk about most people are afraid of silence, right? Yeah. And uh, we weren't, you said. But the astrophysicist Tyson says that dark matter, the space in between the stars and the planet, is as important as matter, and perhaps even more important. Uh, likewise, it's the space the musicians make in between the notes that give music the human element. And uh, Trungpa Rinpoche, somebody I think you know of, yeah. Chogyam Trungpa, from mm -hmm. the, who created uh, Naropa and Boulder, yeah. um, used to say, talk about the tremendous importance of meditative practice. And then um, at a certain stage, there's a real gap that you start to live in between the thoughts and that expands. So sim very, very much the same. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Uh, I also quote uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson saying that, uh, and I didn't know this till I read this, that not only does the Earth have its own gravitational pull, all the planets in the solar system are pushing and pulling on each other, mm, just yeah. like a musical ensemble. You know, you're yeah. intently listening to each other and pushing and pulling and... Uh, if the if the star gets too full of himself, <laughs> he'll spin out of orbit. Yeah. If the guitar player is too loud, uh, Keanu Scotzi, life out of balance, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and balance is the key to musical ensemble and to the cosmos. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, you know, we're getting close to the end of our time, but. One thing that another thing that I had no idea about is your meeting that meet with and connectivity with uh, Joseph Campbell. Yeah, tell me. I mean, I never had that opportunity. What was he like? He was a scholar. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but he uh, what he said was friggin', you know, brilliant. And here, here he is right here in the book. Hang on. And Joseph Campbell again. The goal of life is to make your heartbeat match the beat of the universe, to match nature with nature, capital M. Musicians, as well as all artists, are seekers. They are searching for the meaning of the universe, or at least contentment and peace of mind through sound. They know that silence is the backside of sound. If you listen to ranting of a loud punk band, you need silence. Uh, anyway, uh, Campbell, <laughs> uh, I, I, you know, a friend of mine took him to his first rock concert, a Grateful Dead concert. 
Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know he'd never movie. been to one, just like he'd never been to a movie before he saw what of Star Wars or something, you know, <laughs> which Lucas pulled from being inspired by Campbell. But uh, seeing the dead, he said that there's some, well, he said they're the best answer, answer to the atomic bomb. What's <laughs> <laughs> that mean? <laughs> well, that nails it. <laughs> he said, well, the, I said, to him, you know, I, I didn't know I was playing a Dionysian festival at these concerts, but now I do, thanks to you. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, mythology is fabulous. Uh, yeah, the hero's journey. Oh, and we'll link up Joseph Campbell because he's not really in yeah. the popular culture right now, By maybe not, not so much by next gen. So we should hook that up as well. But let me throw a little curve on that. I do feel the hero's journey is now kind of, it's taken a backseat. There's something new. Uh, you know, the hero's, the solo guy out there. Uh -huh, yeah, uh, the independent. The, uh, it, no, no, it, it's us now. It's yeah. men and women. It, it, it's groups. I mean, look at these um, young people who were so upset over uh, gun violence, you know, 10 or 20 kids, teenagers, you know, man, they're being elders, even when they're young. Yeah. And uh, that's the next push. Uh, all of us together pushing. We can't do this alone. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's Thich Nhat Hanh. The next uh, Buddha ah. is the Sangha. The next Buddha is the community, is the Satsang. Oh, that's, okay. Uh, that's, Sangha. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah. Um, but back, but as far as the hero, there is also a case to be made. The inner hero, ah. the hero that uh, reflects what uh, Ramdas talks about, has talked about all these decades, which is service. Yeah. Right. And yeah. Uh, you know, in the Becoming Nobody movie, he says, "When is what I want enough? When is what I need enough?" It's much more interesting to serve. That's a hero's journey. Oh, that's right beautiful. There. That yeah. really says it. And but the other thing that I noticed um, in uh, in in the book from from Campbell is this, and he got this because he said when he as he started to age, he had more time to read and so on. You describe right. and the back to the Bhagavad Gita and the Indian Puranas right. and right. and all that. And he found something that didn't had never struck him the way it did then, and it right. struck me as well. I, I don't know if you know the passage, but the eternal cannot change; right. it's not touched by time. Right. And as soon as you have a historical act, a movement, you're in time. The world of time is a reflex of the energy of what is eternal. That's <laughs> beautiful. Beautiful said, but the eternal is not touched by what is here. So the whole doctrine of sin is a false doctrine. It has to do with time. Your eternal character is not touched. You are redeemed. Oh. Is that that is so great, man? Oh, oh God! God, is that what? Uh, that's yeah. yeah. Enough said. Kind of, it's that good. It just yeah, I can't. It's just freeing hearing it. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely, absolutely. Wow. Uh, thank you so much for being here, John. Hey, really I'm cool to hang with out. you, Raghu. 
Um, by the way, uh, John has been gracious enough to gift uh, the foundation some books, um, uh, this book in particular, and um, I've got some. So uh, write to info at ramdas.org, say you want one, and put your address in, and we will get somebody to send. Now, we only have a handful, eight or some to six or seven or eight. So whoever I, I signed them. Did I sign those? No, you didn't sign it. Oh. Can I sign well, your, your signature on this? No. Uh, <laughs> I'll sign mine and say, John gave me this book, okay? <laughs> uh, anyhow, but no, it's a wonderful book, and it's uh, it's got so many deep uh, insights from these relationships that, that you had with all of these different uh, incredible humans. And it's entertaining, because usually, you know, John, I usually, I have to kind of flip through and find, you know, because I do so much of this and I'm right. a little over the top. I couldn't do it with this. Oh, I, I had to read it. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, again, thank you, thank you, thank you. And um, we will hook up. Uh, we will hook the music up. And the, post, post-pandemic, we will hook up in Ojai. Yes. Oh, Okay. And you that's know? coming. That's coming. It's coming. I think Good. we all have to be uh, very yeah. uh, uh, optimistic at this point. Yeah. So uh, this is Mind Rolling on BeHereNowNetwork.com. And uh, we have a plethora of amazing, amazing teachers and thought leaders. So please check it out. And uh, I will see you next week. Bye, John. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for the mind roll. <laughs>